This is Perspectives, the show where we have a conversation about how we might be different and find out how much more we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Now, even if you didn't give your identity much conscious thought, it still has an impact on how you live. Knowing who you are enables you to live purposefully and to create fulfilling connections, both of which can contribute to overall excellent emotional, mental, and spiritual health. I mean, who doesn't want that? Joining me today is Dr. Darius Daniels. Dr. Daniels is lead pastor of Change Church, which will be opening soon here in Atlanta. He is an influential spiritual leader, He's a pastor, a motivator, and speaker. Having graduated with a theology studies degree from Princeton, he is both a religious and entrepreneurial man, and his 20 years as a gifted motivator has led him to provide key insight into mastering your personal identity in his new book. That book is Your Purpose is Calling, and it is available on September 20th. That is this week. Dr. Daniels, welcome to Perspectives. Hey, thank you for having me. Really, really honored to be here. Before we began the formal interview, I asked you off air, how many books is this for you? And you said three. And so yeah. then I follow up and ask you, um, does writing get easier or more difficult for you? And you say, <laughs> uh, I say this was actually my most difficult one. Honestly, this was my most difficult one. And I think for me, uh, the degree of difficulty is not determined by like the order of the books, but it's what the book is actually about. And so this book was the most difficult for me because I feel like in some sense, I'm sharing part of my own personal journey. And so it was very, very different for me. I feel like I, I'm been more transparent in this book than I've ever been in any other book, uh, more honest in this book than I have in any other book. And it just took me a while to figure out how to say some of the things um, that um, I felt like I needed to say, but to say, say it in a way that will help people that the book was for, but also protect some people that I kind of had to talk about in the book as I told my story. <laughs> Tell us about your call to ministry. Yeah, so long story short, I started sensing it, sensing it at 19, frankly, and that was my intention was to go to law school. I come from a, a family, um, both on my mom's side and dad's side, that, were, that was just kind of entrepreneurial in, in nature, um, some more successful than others. But so I was going to law school. My cousin was actually going to law school. He went to law school at Howard and I was going to go to law school in Mississippi and uh, we were going to start a law firm together. And that, that was our plans. But long story short is um, 19 years old, went through a brief period of depression my sophomore year in college. My friend invited me to this Bible study and I started going to this Bible study and it was less than 10, 12 people in the room, but the guy was speaking there like it was 12,000. And initially, I didn't believe what he was saying, but I believed he believed it. So I kept coming back. And the more I came back, the better I felt. And um, it was kind of at that moment that something hit me. And I said, you know what? This, the guy's name is Keith Quinn. I said, man, what Keith Quinn has just done for me, he's like changed my life with words. I said, I want to spend the rest of my life doing that for other people. And that's kind of when I began exploring what, man, what does that look like? 
And that's when the desire in my heart to say, hey, I'm going to pivot from law school and not necessarily go to law school and go to seminary. That's that's kind of when it happened for me. How did your parents react to your decision? Uh, mixed emotions. My dad is actually, you know, uh, I grew up in Kilmichael, Mississippi. Let, let me make sure everybody's clear on that. So when I say so. Kill Michael. They're like, what is that? Yup. It's whatever you think when you hear Kill Michael, that's what it is. <laughs> so it's a town of like 500 people. You know what I mean? And I had 33 uh, students in my high school graduating class, one police officer, one doctor, no stoplights. It's literally that kind of town. So my dad was a pastor, but in a small area like that, I mean, you can't support a family just by pastoring only. So some, sometimes people say, certain certain pastors are bivocational my dad was like a tri-vocational <laughs> it was it was it was pastoring and then do a little bit of insurance and then a little bit of carpentry work so um he obviously he had mixed feelings one he he was excited that I was using my life in a way that was consistent with what I felt like I was called and created to do so he was excited about that but then at the same time he actually told me this uh, he was a bit sad because he knew what me taking this route would mean for me. He knew the bubble it would put me in. He knew the brand damage. Um, I mean, you know, you say the word pastors, like depending on people's experience, that's kind of going to determine their perception of you. So he knew the brand damage I would have to overcome. Um, he knew the way it would impact my family. And uh, so he kind of had mixed mixed emotions, mixed feelings about it. But, you know, he was supportive and it's been a great help. You got your degree in theology. You are pastoring a church, a very large church. It's one thing to minister to people. And you've just shared with us how you heard the call in a very small Bible study group. How does one go from receiving the word in that kind of an environment to what you're doing today? Yeah, you know, I don't know if there is some, and, and listen, I'm a planner. I'm all about planning. I'm all about strategy. But, you know, I, I really, when I, when, when I look at um, my journey, like from then to now, there were several factors that just contributed to me being where I am that I couldn't control, that I didn't see coming. Like I was going through certain seasons and situations like to me, that absolutely made no sense. It, it seemed like, yo, this is slowing me down. This is actually inhibiting me from accomplishing what I want to accomplish. But when I look back at, at stuff like this, Soren Kierkegaard, who's a Danish philosopher, he said, life is lived forward, but it's understood backwards. So it's like, sometimes you don't understand certain things <laughs> until you get out of them and look back. Like I'm, I'm thinking specifically of this instance in like 2014, where I was experiencing, I just had like burnout. So it was just a lot of stuff going on, you know what I mean? So I was writing my first book, finishing my doctoral uh, project um, in a building campaign was the community was fighting. It was a predominantly pro Caucasian community that didn't want an African-American church in the community. So they were fighting. It was just a lot going on. So I, I experienced burnout. And when that happened, I was like, yo, I feel like I'm living right, like in terms of ethics, but I'm not living well. And the stuff that caused me to burn out ain't the stuff they talking to me about in church. You know, it's like, yo, I, I got scheduling issues. I got overcommitment issues. I got people pleasing issues and nobody's talking about that on Sunday, but that's what has me burned out, not moral stuff. So I got a coach and this coach's name was Josh Kahn. 
And what Keith Quinn did to me at 19, Josh Kahn did to me, it's like my life was revolutionized when my coach helped me actually align my life with my values, set boundaries, hold boundaries, and things of that nature. So I said at that point in my life, yo, what Josh Kahn just did for me, I want to spend my life doing for other people. And that's when I made the pivot into, okay, let me get trained in coaching. Let me spend my, let me spend a part of my life helping other people optimize theirs and things of that nature. But that wasn't in my plans. I didn't, that wasn't a part of my vision board. I wasn't manifesting that. It was like, yo, I had a burnout. This dude helped me. That experience awakened in me a desire to help other people. And that's how I got here. So I just feel like I can, I would, I would encourage anybody like, hey man, there are parts of your journey that don't make sense to you now that can make sense to you later. So just embrace the journey. Was that when you began to perhaps have questions about identity in your own world and then went on to do what you've done now with the book, Your Purpose is Your Calling? You are exactly right. I've done, I've done a gazillion interviews. You're the first person to nail that one spot on. That is the exact period where I really, and it's the weirdest thing, you know, I, I feel like I never wrestled with any, like I didn't wrestle with identity confidence, imposter syndrome, didn't have an identity crisis until I started sensing this call to contribute to helping people change their life in a way other than what I was doing through the church. And so that came with some, and I'll talk a little bit about this in the book, that came with some, some criticism sometimes from people who were mentoring me, right? Not just parishioners, but from people who were mentoring me and criticism from peers, because it was almost as if, hey, you can't be this and that. You have to be this or that. And I just felt like that put me in a box. I felt claustrophobic. And I felt like that wasn't the only way I was supposed to add value to people. So I'm going to be honest. I wrestled with getting comfortable with that for years. Years. <laughs> and I just finally got to a place through a series of events where I recognized that I can't carry out my life's assignment being controlled by other people's opinions. It was like literally that like, like, yo, the yeah, one sure way you, like <laughs> that you're not going to accomplish your purpose is by letting people determine what that purpose actually is. <laughs> so um, that is exactly what I wrestled with four years. And the book was kind of birthed out of that experience. Like, that's what, literally what I mean when I say your purpose is calling. What are you wanting your readers to take away from your purpose is your calling? Listen, if they get nothing else from the book, I want them to, if they, if they just read the title and hear this, I think they can get the takeaway. And that is not a purpose is calling. Your purpose is calling. This is what I want the reader to walk away with. You have not just been created to make a difference. You have been created to make your difference. And I want the reader to live their life understanding, embracing, and unleashing their difference. That's powerful. What have you found are the advantages for us in having a very strong sense of who we are so that we can carry out our purpose 
in this in this life? Yeah, there are three things that I that I think come to my mind. And the first one I think is the most important one because this is priceless. Peace. Peace. Peace, peace, peace. And this is this is what I learned. No matter how much like provision you have financially, whatever. If you don't have peace, you'll always feel poor. Peace is the first one. The second one is this is productivity. I believe you can only do your best work when you're your best self. <laughs> you know, I, I believe no one can beat me at me. But when if I try to be someone else, then I will not produce and I will not contribute the way that that I've got the potential to. And, you know, that's really, really kind of hard, I think, in today's cultural context, because it's almost like culture says, be yourself until you actually are yourself. And then they punish you if yourself is different from what they want you to be. It's like, yo, you told me to be myself, but because myself doesn't think like you or agree with you on <laughs> in that area, you're punishing me. And so there's this tendency, right? This temptation to just conform to what, what seems to be working for someone else. And uh, what I want people to know is like who you are and your way will actually work. So productivity is the, um, is the third one. And then uh, the, the, the final one is purpose. And, and that is you can only do what you've been created to do if you're willing to be who you've been created to be. So those I think are the three things that come to my mind. Pastor, do you find that people come to you with questions about identity where you are now in a position not only to coach them on their their spiritual being, but also on this live identifying your purpose, knowing who you are and standing strongly in that truth? Yeah, you know, I, I, so people do, but I'm going to be honest, it is um, it's it's two contexts. So in the context of the church, um, if I were to get some of this, identity may be the issue, but people don't know identity is the issue, right? So it may be like someone who's coming to me uh, and they're having a problem, let's say like with a, with a family member, and they don't realize the problem is not the family member, the problem is the boundary that they haven't set or the boundary that they aren't willing to hold. And then they also don't realize that the reason that they aren't able or willing to hold and set that boundary is because of the way they see themselves. <laughs> they see themselves through the lens of how they feel like that family member may see themselves. So they, very rarely do people come in the church setting with issues of identity. They come with other issues and they don't know that the root of it is identity. But on the entrepreneurial side, this is where, yeah, we get a lot of, I, I think I get a lot of more identity questions there. And it's probably because I'm a lot more kind of hands-on with those that I'm coaching in that space. And uh, because for me, I am, um, I am a proponent of, and I am a participant in what I call purpose-driven entrepreneurship. And that is seeing entrepreneurship as a delivery system for adding value to other people. It's a way to serve other people and also create a stream of income for yourself. It's not just a way of acquiring income to uh, accumulate personal possessions. I mean, if you don't do that, that's, that's part of it, it's fine. But it is also a way of loving your neighbor well, like when you're actually actually offering a service that can add value to their life. And so because I take that approach, when people come, when people come into programs that I have, like the question is like, no, nah, not just what can you do to make money? What are you born to do? Like, 
who are you and who do you help? And that's where we see that this identity issue is a major, major issue, which is also one of the reasons I said, I have to talk about this. Like, I, I got to put this in a, in a book form because like these people are starting, you know, businesses and not really clear on who am I really and who am I supposed to help? You spoke a few moments ago. Dr. Daniels, about culture and what culture suggests. You've talked about how we see ourselves in the eyes of our family members, and that really speaks to our identity. What impact does social media and how everyone is living their best life on social influence how we see ourselves with respect to identity? It is huge. And I, I, it is so huge. And there's been some like some research and study done on this, even in terms of um, the how when the digital space isn't managed properly, it has an adverse impact on people's mental health and sense of self. It just exacerbates comparison and things of that particular nature. And um, I remember one time my my um, oldest son, he's he's nineteen. We were sitting at the kitchen counter, and um, I think he was on a break from Morehouse or something. And we're sitting at the kitchen counter, and he says to me. I mean, he's, he's talking and he's just so like defeated. And he looks at his mom and I, and he says, I just feel like I'm doing nothing with my life. I looked at him. I said, you're 19. <laughs> you're like, you're in college. Tell me <laughs> what you have, ex what you expect. And, but what happens is there's this illusion, right? To him, it's reality, but there's this illusion he was operating with about what he should have accomplished by now based on the highlight reels of other people's many of them it's not even their real life but other people's like projection of their life that he's seen on social media and so what he was feeling was real it just wasn't it wasn't right because it wasn't it was based on an illusion and not reality and I feel like people who are 19 deal with that and people who are 39 can deal with that very same thing because we're often comparing ourselves and our lives to what we perceive to be the real life of someone else. But in actuality, most people aren't posting real life on social media platforms that post them highlight reels. And you know, I know that because when it all fall apart, I'm the guy people come see. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I, I, I was like, okay, yeah, they flexing for the gram. And that's, ooh, that's a cute couple's picture. But they were arguing before they took that picture. And when it all go bad, I'm the guy that they, that they come see. <laughs> we were forced to isolate as individuals, as families over the last two and a half years as a result of the pandemic gave everybody globally an opportunity to pause. It's like God put us in time out for two and a half years to think about who we really are and what our purpose really is. We've seen as we've emerged out of this pandemic, as we are emerging out of this pandemic, and you've mentioned it in our conversation, this great need for mental health support. There's been a stigma about that in the Black community before, it seems to be changing. I suspect you are a strong proponent of talking to somebody if you've got an issue. Yeah, 100%. So one, do I believe it's changing? I do believe it's 
it's changing. And, you know, I say that, I say that, I mean, anecdotally, but also kind of experientially, just based on my interaction with some of my peers and some of the things that I'm seeing all around the country, you know what I mean? Um, as I'm in some of these different spaces. And I think it's, um, I, I think it's so important. One, you know, I, I mentioned that burnout that I had in 2014, right? Well, and I mentioned the coach because that was the one who had the most impact on me. But there were two things that I actually knew I needed and I got during that season. I said, I need a coach. I need a, I need a coach to help me with my future, um, with, with my schedule. I need a therapist though, to help me figure out my past and what is it about me that has me overcommitting, people-pleasing, overwhelmed. And it was just like so revolutionary in my life that we started, this is what we did. This was like, well, this is years ago, right after that, we actually hired, you know, at one point we hired a counselor and made a part of our staff who formed a consortium um, with people who, people with individual therapists and organizations that specialize in different aspects of mental health so that when our, because in African-American context, it's like historically people just come to church for everything. You know what I mean? But watch this. We are called to help people get needs met, but we have to understand we can't meet every need, but there are people that God has gifted and trained and graced. And we just need to be a broker and broker relationships with those people. And that's, that's what we did. And I mean, it just, it revolutionized stuff. It was like, you know, people had like marital issues sometimes that were connected to trauma and we like quoting Bible scriptures to them. And, and of course there's a place for that, but it's like, yo, she's had some abuse and she needs this unpacked. And a Sunday sermon alone is not going to rectify that. We need to get her with someone who's been called and gifted to address those issues. And so, yeah, wherever we have a location, we have a consortium of uh, organizations and individuals that we develop relationships with so that when our parishioners come to us with those kind of needs, we can um, recommend them. Dr. Daniels, how can our listeners find you here in Atlanta? I know there's a Change Church location opening soon. That's right. We got a location opening in uh, right by the Gas South Arena, like literally two minutes by Gas South Arena in, in Duluth. And so, yeah, we're going to be opening uh, within the next few weeks. We had a um, bit of a delay just because of construction and, and how things have changed with COVID. Just, you know, it just takes, it's like, it's taking this long to get some doors in? Like, what? <laughs> we, we can't Supply go to all people and get doors? <laughs> and you're like, no. So um, as soon, what I told the people is I've had to push the day back a couple of times. So I, I told everybody, hey, I'm going to wait till I get this certificate of occupancy in my hand. And once I have that in my hand, we're going to set the date. But we're, we're, we're looking forward to doing it really soon, probably within the next month. So we're excited about that. And if they want to find out anything about it, it's D-H-A-R-I-U-S Daniels, Darius Daniels, everything. That's social media. That's a website. And uh, they can find out more about um, Change Church and Dairy Stains there. Well, friends, you can find your unique superpower, transform your life with practical advice in this new book available September 20th, Dr. Darius Daniels, Your Purpose is Calling. I look forward to visiting one day. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. 
If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condas Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condas? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.